0: Good morning, Lake Avenue Church. It is such a joy and a privilege to be here worshiping with you. As Pastor Jeff has said, that we have lived here for six years, and so we've actually been here before, a number of times over the years, and enjoyed worshiping with you then. As many of you may know also, that Fuller Seminary has its annual commencement right here in this building, and so I've also sat back up there a few times, once a year, for the last five or six years as well but it's uh, such a delight for me to be able to participate in worship this morning in this fashion. So thank you, Pastor Jeff, for the invitation. How many of you enjoyed this series? Um, This is us, the church from Acts to today over the last couple months, amen? (laughs) Amen. And um, Pastor, thank you for, for at least your account of how I got here today. Can I take a couple moments this morning to give you my version of why I'm here this morning? Is that okay with everybody? I'm, I'm glad it's okay, because I was gonna do it anyway. Um, but as, as Pastor mentioned, you know, about, six week, about, eight, about uh, more than eight weeks ago, as he was felt led in his heart to have this emphasis uh, from the book of Acts, and then being led to sort of focus on Acts 8 as the culmination of this series. So he said to himself, um, I'd like to invite a special guest for this last Sunday for this series in the book of Acts. And who can I get? So he was thinking to himself, he said to himself, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite the most uh, brilliant New Testament scholar I know that can open up Acts chapter 8. Somebody say amen right there, right? I mean, wouldn't you all like to hear the most uh, prolific and the most brilliant New Testament scholar opening up Acts 8? That's what he thought. So he looked into his uh, phone book to see you could find who is that person he knew. I mean, he knew some people at Fuller. He knew some people at Trinity Evangelical and a number of other places. I know who I'm going to do. He picked up the phone calling that person and said, hey, can you come on November the 10th and wind up uh, an eight-week series on Acts 8 with regard to the theme, The Church of Acts to Today. Can you do that? November the 10th, the person looks in his calendar and figured out that he had something else booked at that point in time. So I'm very, very sorry I can't join you November the 10th. So Pastor Jeff's not gonna be deterred. You know him, he's a very uh, determined uh, person. And if I can't get the most uh, uh, brilliant New Testament scholar I know, I'll just get the most, incredible preaching scholar i know somebody say amen right there right how would you like to have the most uh, the most uh, wonderful uh, preaching scholar that he knows so he looks into his book and identifies that person picks up the phone november 10th can you come and finish up this eight-week series on acts the church for today acts eight was what i'd like you to preach on the person looks on his calendar and says i'm very very sorry it's booked i can't make it that day Pastor Jeff is now starting to get a little bit desperate, right? I mean, he can't get the most uh, brilliant scholar he knows. He can't get the best preaching scholar he knows. Who's he going to get for this really, really important November 10th service? He says, I'm just going to have to settle for the best looking scholar I know. (laughs) It it didn't take him long. He knew exactly who he was going to call, so I picked up the phone (laughs) and And he said, can, can, "Can, Amos, can you come on November the 10th, uh, preach out of Acts 8, the church for today, wind up an eight week series. I looked at my calendar and you know, it was, it was filled up. But I said, Pastor, Pastor Jeff, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and cancel my other appointment. I'm gonna come because I just can't bear to say no to you three times in one day. So <laughs> I, I'm right here, I'm right here. Well, good. You guys are wide awake this morning, praise Jesus, hallelujah. (laughs) No, much, 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 much more seriously, amen. Um, It warmed my heart to hear about the Book of Acts being preached at Lake Avenue Church, and it certainly warmed my Pentecostal heart to see basically what was a pretty much Caucasian choir singing Zambian. Somebody say amen. I mean, We had some singing in tongues going on right here a few minutes ago. (laughs) And as we turn to this text today, this morning, I want us to just note, I mean, I mean, I've heard a chance to listen to a number of the sermons over the weeks, and we attended a couple. I attended a couple. My wife and I attended one, and I attended another myself. So we've heard these themes. But but as we go here into Acts 8, that pastor's already read to us, I want to observe something that I think we all take for granted in the 21st century that the book of Acts is about the gift of the Holy Spirit that enables the followers of Jesus to bear witness. Starting in Jerusalem, going into Judea, and into Samaria, and we heard Pastor Matthew John preach about that three, week, three or four weeks ago, and then to the ends of the earth. That's, wh- that's how Luke develops his outline in Acts chapter 1 of his whole book. And by the time we get to Acts 28, the gospel reaches to the ends of the earth, which according to a Jerusalem-centered worldview is Rome. Rome is at the far edges of a Jerusalem-centered world. And the book of Acts gives us the story of how the gospel comes from uh, Jerusalem into Judea, going out to Samaria. Samaria is a sort of partially Hebraic, but then from there on to the ends of the earth, meaning to include all the Gentiles, all the peoples of the world. And here in Acts chapter eight, we have the first steps taken outside of Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why this text is so important today. So I've entitled our message this morning, From Lake Avenue to Villa Street Church. I've got a little question mark there as we think about this. Now, why have I put it this way? And some of you who may be commuting from potentially far, far away may not know what I'm referring to when I'm referring to Villa Street Church, but for most of us, we probably realize that Lake Avenue, of course, is the big street, right, that this church is on, and it's been called Lake Avenue Church for, I'm guessing, 100 plus years. 123. Let's not cut off those 23 years. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, if you give me hearty amens, I go faster. Somebody say amen. And when I go faster, I finish sooner. Somebody say amen. All right. So many of you know that Lake Lake Avenue is the big street, right? Just like Colorado Boulevard. I mean, Lake Avenue and Colorado Boulevard give us the coordinates that signal what Pasadena is all about. But many of you know that Villa Street is is sort of the side street that is, um, let's see, is it this way? Sure, (laughs) I'm I'm disorganized here. It's a side street that goes perpendicular to Lake Avenue, and nobody usually knows it unless you're trying to find parking. <laughs> it's probably the way in which many people talk about Villa Street. But as we go into this text, I'm invited, to, I, I, I'm invited to, and I'm inviting you as well to join with me in the thinking about the significance of Villa Street, because the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go south. As you may know in the New Testament, the New Testament world, the Church of the Apostles, much of the story goes north and west. Given where Jerusalem is situated in the Roman Empire, much of the story, including the rest of the book of Acts from Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 28, takes place going north and west, ending up on the edges of of the known world, which is Rome. Philip as you may remember from last week's message from Pastor Jeff was a Hellenistic Jew, which means he had grown up at some part in the Roman Empire as from Jewish background and had Become a citizen of the Roman Empire and was able to navigate the Roman Empire as somebody who could speak Greek, who could move from, from region to region, who could engage with Hebrews, but who could engage also with all the Gentiles of the Roman world. Philip was at home in that world, from north, going north and going west. But the word of the Lord, the Spirit was uh, to uh, the, the word of the Spirit and the angel of the Lord to Philip was, "Go south, go down the desert road." No, 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 not go south on Lake Avenue until you get to South Pasadena, although that might be where some of us might like to be called to bear witness, somebody say amen. If you know about South Pasadena, you know that that's where all the economic power, somebody say amen, of Pasadena is located. No, it wasn't even necessarily go east on Colorado Boulevard, that might take us into the San Gabriel Valley, that lead us into another group of people that come from other parts of the world that bring a lot of their economic, if you will, affluence with them. But go south, down a desert road. Go south in a direction that you don't usually travel. Go south down a desert road that may lead not to anywhere that you might wanna go, And therefore, if you're going on that desert road and going south, you probably wanna leave early in the day because it's gonna get hot in the middle of the day. And it's gonna take you a while to get through that desert so that you can make sure you find an oasis in the evening before you pull off the road. The call of the angel of the Lord to Philip to go south, I believe in part invites us to think about where is the Lord calling us, Lake Avenue Church to, in this space and time? What is the South and the Desert Road represent for Philip and possibly for us? And that's where I think about Villa Street, what Villa Street represents, what neighborhoods that Villa Street takes us to, the kind of people that reside upon in Villa Street, the, the kind of communities that are to be found on Villa Street, very different from the ones going to South Pasadena or to... East Pasadena, indeed. The the Spirit calls Philip. Philip, growing up, uh, enculturated, comfortable in the Hellenist world, able to move freely back and forth between Jew and Greek-speaking worlds, called to step out of his comfort zone and go in a direction that he'd never gone before, going south south on the desert road. And of course, when the Lord calls us to go down these roads that we might not otherwise choose for ourselves, of course, we meet people that we don't often meet, amen? Amen. Well, that was a little softer than usual, so I'll slow down just a tad. (laughs) (laughs) So Philip started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, that's what he found going south on the desert road. An important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. And so here was an official that worked in the queen's court, an Ethiopian, probably a man of darker skin, an Ethiopian part of that region of the world that may have been known by a number of other names in the biblical times, including the Nubia and Meroe. In other words, this was a part of what we would today call North and Northeast Africa, representing that part of the world. In fact, an Ethiopian people in an Ethiopian region that potentially could have been a competitor to the Roman Empire, but was out in that region doing its own thing. An important official, if you remember from Pastor Matthew's message, about the, Samarit, uh, about the Gospel in Samaria and Philip going to Samaria, you remember him talking about how tax collectors were themselves also a questionable group of in, 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 in the first century and an ancient Judean society. Here was an Ethiopian eunuch in charge of the queen's treasury, probably as a eunuch, one who was in much likelihood, not just born that way, but made that way. You remember that passage that Jesus interacts with others, including teachers of the law in which they were asking about eunuchs being born or made. In the ancient world, eunuchs were often made, particularly when they're serving in the queen's court so that they would not be a threat to the queen. Eunuchs having developed their own sort of, if you will, stigmatization, their own sort of role People that would be trustworthy in the queen's presence because perhaps of having been made as eunuchs and therefore being relied upon to handle the treasury, handle the finances of the Ethiopian world. So Philip is not only called to go into this desert road south that he's not used to traversing, but he runs into somebody that is so very different from him and the people that he usually hangs around with and interacts with across the Roman Empire. He runs into a man who is culturally and ethnically and racially and linguistically different from him. He runs into a man who occupies, yes, a a strategic role in Ethiopian society and in the Ethiopian political and social realm, but one nevertheless that is targeted because of his specific job, having to deal with the finances of the empire, and also because of his bodily impairment. Eunuchs made that way, representing this marginalized and excluded group of those that have impairments. The Old Testament itself indicating that those who are eunuchs would be excluded from, like other individuals with bodily impairments, excluded from certain roles that they would play in the temple or the sanctuary of the Lord, excluded from certain priestly opportunities that others would have had with, if you will, more whole or able-bodiedness. So here's Philip, a whole and able-bodied man, a Hellenist Jew, one who is comfortable traveling across the Roman Empire, finding himself, if you will, going south on a desert road, encountering the, other, the most othered other that he could have encountered in this Ethiopian eunuch other in so many dimensions, other in all of the ways as well as physically different from him. How is Philip, therefore, to engage with this otherness? He who already had all of the skills, all of the training, if you will, he was capable of residing in multiple spaces in, as a Hellenist and as a Jew. He had to draw and call upon all of the resources that he had, and for some of us, we might feel like, like we are also similarly incapable of engaging with others like an Ethiopian eunuch, if such were to show up in our path. I want to encourage us that, that Philip was also similarly, uh, if you will, not capable. Yes, he was a man of many experiences. Yes, he was a man who had been able to cross cultures in his life, but he needed a special uh, assistance from the Holy Spirit in this time and for this task. I wanna suggest that we all here as well are similarly already equipped and increasingly equipped as multicultural people here at Lake Avenue Church. Somebody say amen. amen. right? We have a diversity of people at Lake Avenue Church that come from many different cultures, many different ethnicities, many different parts of the world, and we're all here. And even for those of us that perhaps were born in this country, even for the predominantly white uh, choir that we have, I know that you're actually multicultural because you're not only citizens of the United States, but you're Californians. (laughs) Somebody say amen, right? I mean, like, it's like Texans, right, where, you're, where you, you almost have your own, if you will, mentality. Yes, we are part of this country, but as Californians, we're also different and distinct. So I believe that God has raised up this church in this place, in this time, in this space, in this moment, to be a people like Philip that will continue to cross borders, that will continue to cross boundaries, that will continue to say, Lord, I may not want to go south on the desert road, but if that's where you call me, I'm willing to step into that space. Amen? This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it, And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. You can imagine, right? Philip was told by the the angel to go south. He's he's gone south. He's wondering, why why, why am I on this road? And and he hears a a chariot sort of behind him and it grows louder and louder and then it passes him by. And as it passes him by, he hears the eunuch. He sees the eunuch. He hears the eunuch reading. The eunuch who had gone to Jerusalem to worship probably had gotten access to a Greek translation of the prophet Isaiah, one who was seeking after the God of Israel, and therefore was able, as a leading official of Ethiopia, had begun to learn some Greek, and had therefore gone up to, and now was reading in this language. So the chariot is riding right by Philip, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, so Philip's got to run after that chariot. Can you imagine Philip running after that chariot? Right? Sometimes when the Lord calls us, he wants to make sure that we are invested in and that we're willing to actually go and do the work. That was, that was a little, are we sure, Lord, we're invested in this? Are we really sure we're willing? I mean, running, that seems on a hot desert road that we're not quite sure what the neighborhood's like. Uh, might want to be a little bit more careful. <laughs> but Philip ran up to the chariot he wasn't sure what he was quite getting into yet but he knew one thing that, that whatever was going to happen this person who was so very different from him was reading about the God of Israel was reading about the God of Israel reading the prophet Isaiah Philip ran up to this man and asked him do you understand what you're reading How can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, he said, who is this prophet talking about? Himself? Is he? Because I recognize, this eunuch says, myself in this passage. I recognize myself in this prophet's description about being humiliated. I recognize myself in this prophet's description of someone being deprived of justice. Me, one who had not chosen this, this, this condition, one who had not chosen this role in society, but having been made this way, I recognize myself as someone being described in this passage of someone who called out and who asked, who can speak of descendants? I recognize that I, myself in this passage because I may, I've, I've yearned for and longed to, to even have children, but I know that I will never be able to have any. I recognize myself as someone whose life has been taken and who no longer owns it. Tell me, please, this Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip, is this prophet talking about me? Then Philip began with that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus who had decided to take the southern road, a Jesus who had decided to take the road less traveled, the road that led into the desert, a Jesus who had recognized that there would be injustice, a Jesus who had embraced the humiliation of the cross in his own life and for his own journey, a Jesus who was never going to have any descendants. A Jesus whose life was taken from him. What a wonderful name. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name, that name of Jesus. Philip began with that very passage of scripture and walked him through the text of Isaiah. That was the Bible for the first century church. And Isaiah fifty three, from where this text came, includes and goes to Isaiah fifty four. And Isaiah fifty well, now the numbers. You know, I didn't have these chapter numbers back in those days, right? But Isaiah fifty three and fifty four and fifty five, and then I get Isaiah fifty six. And in Isaiah 56, the the prophet Isaiah talks about the day when eunuchs who would be dried up and left and stigmatized for being in that condition, they would now be restored and they would be welcomed and they would enter in and be embraced among the people of God in the city of Zion, among the people of Israel when God would restore and the Messiah would come and would redeem them as well. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. There is very little that I might have in common with an Ethiopian eunuch, or that you might have in common with an Ethiopian eunuch. There is very little that you and I might have in common if we go down Villa Street and engage with people who live in that neighborhood. There might be very little that we have in common if we were to truly open up our hearts to the people that God has brought to Pasadena, that God has brought to Southern California, that might be riding on chariots, (laughs) driving around, looking for work. We've got an employment office, two blocks up Lake Avenue, that includes a lot of people that might be very different from you and I. But they might be reading from the Bible. They might be asking questions that the Bible asks. They might be looking for someone that can empathize with their journey, with their story, with their life, with their hopes, with their wishes. And the scripture tells us that that one always has been and always will be our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. The one who has already walked the road, less travel. The one who has already embraced those upon that abandoned road that few would otherwise look out for and seek. As they traveled along the road, as Luke winds up this story, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, hey, here's water. What stands in the way of my being baptized? as they traveled along the road. We're grateful for this church, this structure, this place of meeting. Fuller Seminary is additionally grateful for being able to use this building for its commencement, the comfort that we have here. But how many of us know that the gospel takes place also outside as we travel the road, outside, along the highways and byways, outside along the main streets and the side streets. As they traveled along the road, they came to the water. And here is where the encounter with the living God happens. Here is where the encounter with the resurrected Jesus happens. Here is where the encounter with the Holy Spirit happens. The eunuch gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Two weeks, baptism right here. Thank God for a sanitary baptismal tank. Amen? I might have to go a long ways to find rivers clean enough to baptize people. But the point is to be open to what the Holy Spirit seeks to do on Villa Street and in the neighborhoods and in wherever you live whatever context, whatever part of town you come from or of your commuter, wherever you come from, to be open to what the Holy Spirit is already doing in your neck of the woods. To be open to people encountering the living Christ in that context. That's where it happens. As they encounter Jesus, as you listen to their story, as you walk with them, as you ride with them, as you fellowship with them. They're going to come to that moment like the Ethiopian eunuch did. What must we do to be saved? And the apostolic answer is repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. And that apostolic answer is not just for Pentecostals, but it's for all who say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? It's for all of us to open up our hearts to say, Lord, what is it that I must, how, how must I posture myself before you? Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of God who was there from the beginning, who was there when he called Philip to go down that road, who was there when the Ethiopian eunuch had traveled up to Jerusalem, who was there when the Ethiopian eunuch had picked up the scrolls, who was there when the Ethiopian eunuch was was riding in his chariot and reading out of the prophet Isaiah, who was there when Philip was running and catching up to him and sweating it off, who was there when Philip got in and when they had the conversation together, who was there when they went from Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 56. The Holy Spirit had been there the whole time through the baptism. Spirit just takes Philip away. Eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch who was never going to have physical sons and daughters, for whom whose life had been humiliated, for whom justice had been deprived, yet he had met someone who had traveled that road less traveled, and that someone led another someone, Philip, to walk alongside him and introduce him to Jesus. And this Ethiopian eunuch today is now recognized as the father of the church of Africa. One who never had sons and daughters of his own, but now represents and symbolizes someone who had gone back on that southern desert road to his community, to his cultural group, to his ethnic group, and brought Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to the farthest corners of the earth of that time. As we close this morning, I wanna ask us three questions. Who among us will be like Philip who will go down that southern road down that desert road? Who of us will go down that road that we might not rather go? We'd rather go down the easier pathway, the one that's got lights, the one that's got accommodations, the one that's more comfortable. But who among us would respond as Philip did to go down south, down the desert road? And who will be open to meeting the individuals that God would place on that road as we are obedient to travel there. Who of us would be open to meeting people like this Ethiopian and like this eunuch? Who of us would be open to, to going down and establishing a community among people who are marginalized, excluded, people who speak different languages, people whose skin color are different, people who are bodily different and impaired. Now I know that here at Lake Avenue Church there's been a a group that's ministered to the special needs community. Some of you may know and participate in that. That's, That's a wonderful example of how we open up our hearts to engage with people that are different from us but nevertheless that are part of the body of Christ in their difference. Who will go? Who will we meet? And who will we embrace as Philip embraced the Gentiles? We take for granted as Gentiles that now we're all part of the body of Christ. But who else is God calling you to as Lake Avenue Church that also lives on Villa Street. Lord Jesus, this morning, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit, a fresh Pentecost here at Lake Avenue, here at Villa Street, here in this community, here in our lives and all the communities that we represent who are gathered here this morning that are part of this congregation. Come Holy Spirit in a new way. Come Holy Spirit in a fresh way. Call us down the road less traveled. Bring people into our lives, O oh God, that are different from us. Bring people who are calling out to you, that are asking questions, deep existential questions. Bring people, oh God, who are reading scripture that we can share that reading with going forward. Enrich our lives, O oh God, by calling us in this way. Come Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus we ask and pray, amen.